It's Sports by the Book at the South Point Studio. Here's Jeff Parles. Welcome in. It's Sports by the Book at the South Point Studio. Happy to be with you as always. I'm Jeff Parles. Alongside me. Hello, stranger. Hello. It's only <laughs> been a week and a half. We only <laughs> have, haven't been together at all the whole week. Uh, media Row. Alex down at uh, at the Bellagio the last few days. Yeah. Have some content tomorrow on that. Maybe even some more content today from the Bellagio for uh, for Alex White. Uh, we have a fun show today. <clears throat> of course, some some football game tomorrow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Getting closer in on that, under 40 hours away from kick, uh, just uh, due north of here at Allegiant Stadium. Big college hoops day as well, as always on these Saturdays. Uh, Multi-time Super Contest winner, James Salinas, will join us in a half hour from now. His thoughts on the game tomorrow and much more. Before we get into some college hoops here, just because we've been talking about the football game all week, tomorrow we'll have a two-hour two show from 8.30 to 10.30 where Alex and I will have our final list of prop bets that we will have made by then uh, for the game. I usually, the latest bet I'll make on the Super Bowl, so the game's always 3.30 here in Vegas, will usually come at about 2.15, about an hour and 15 minutes before the game, because I will convince myself of something that that I haven't liked the whole week. And right. I'm like, wait a second, why, why did I not like this <laughs> the whole week? What was I thinking when I made my list? Uh, and how often ago? does that one hit? Good question. Good question. Because <laughs> I um, find it, yeah, when you talk yourself into something late. Uh, hit hit the Kansas City San Francisco. I, I can give you year by year. Since uh, okay, uh, other good. than the other than the Rams Patriots Super Bowl, which I did not do that, which was the first one I lived out here for. Chiefs Niners, it did. Nothing hidden the Chiefs Bucks game for me. I, I just wrong side all the way through. Um, didn't get there on the on the Bengals Rams one because the late ad that year was Burrow to win the MVP. Just adding on to what I already had. Almost got there. Almost did. But not quite. Uh and then last year last year was uh last year was the infuriating. Because Kenneth Gainwell the scored the first touchdown of the game. And as you remember what happened in that, Gainwell scored. They went to review, marked him down at the quarter yard yep. line, and then Hurts punched it in on the touch push yep. on the next play. So, yeah, that was that was a fun one. See, you remember the losses more so. Uh, uh, the losses uh, pretty uh, clearly there. Uh, right now, again, Niners two-point favorites, total 47.5. So that's down from 48 uh, yesterday during the show. So the, the under has come back uh, to market price on this one here at the South Point. Uh, if you are here in town, Minus 105 juice on a point spread for both of these teams for bets made at the counter behind us. You have to do it at a counter, not at a kiosk, not on the app if you want the minus 105. In the long run, helps you a whole lot saving those five cents. Uh, and But available everywhere, wherever you may be in Nevada, on the on the, uh, the money line, dime line. Yep. So plus 120 is the best price you're getting on Kansas City anywhere in North America right now. So that's, uh, you want that? Get money in your app today. Don't do it tomorrow, as Chris and Vinny said, and or come down to the South Point. We'll be around property tomorrow if you want to say hi to us uh, during the show. I know Alex and, and it will be here watching the game just behind us. I may be around. We'll, we'll see. We'll see how it all plays out. All right. You want to talk some college hoops? Let's talk some college hoops. All right. We start in New Jersey because that's where everything starts, right? <laughs> Rutgers welcoming Wisconsin 
they've cool off a little bit for Wisconsin. Three straight losses. They had the loss to Nebraska yeah. in overtime. And then, look, I can't really say a spiral in a loss to Purdue last Sunday. All right, Purdue's really good. Yeah, the game was at home, but good quality win for the Boilers. What happened on Wednesday was a little bit of a shock. Losing outright in Ann Arbor to a Michigan team that snuck into the top 100 in Ken Palm after that win against Wisconsin after falling out of the top 100. Team that also has eight wins on the season. Rutgers taking a, taking a, a year where they have struggled on offense, to put it politely, uh, right now. Uh, winners are two straight, though. They did beat Michigan and Maryland on the road. Uh, so a very, very strange backwards year for Rutgers where they're not beating everyone at home like they usually do, and then those two wins on the road. Uh, this has been all Scarlet Knight action from the overnights. Open four, now down to three. There's a bunch of two and a half out there. Also, the total just got smacked down at some shop, so I guess that's coming behind us in a moment. It's 131 still for the moment, but there's a lot of 129 in the market right now, so someone got in there and hit that thing hard in the last five minutes. So I'm on the total, but before I get there, I want to ask you, do you think this is an overreaction on the spread and yes. people betting yes. this much? On yes, I, I think it's an overreaction, but there's a big caveat to this. Historically speaking, it hasn't happened as much this year. It is The rack is an absurdly hard place to play. And it hasn't worked out this year in conference play. They beat Indiana and Nebraska at home. That's it. Illinois beat them up by 18. Uh, they they lost to Purdue. They lost to Penn State by 15. Only put 46 on an Indian Lions that afternoon uh, at the rack. It is historically a hard place to play. But I think this is a little bit of a reaction. And Wisconsin, again, they've lost three straight games. I just don't see the snowballing into a fourth. I agree with that as well. But I am on the under. I went under 131 here. As you mentioned, Rutgers has struggled offensively. Wisconsin, 7-3 and three to the under on the road. And Rutgers, we've seen four straight unders for them. And on the season, they are 16-6 and six to the under. So looking at pace, we know Wisconsin... 65 possessions per game, about 315 in the nation. Blake's play a slower pace here. So I like this under, and now we move to 130 here. <laughs> yeah, 130 behind us. It's might might keep going. Well, actually, the 129 got scooped up. So 130 is probably okay. going to be uh, probably going to be the market where that closes in about 25 minutes from now. Uh, Rutgers hosting Wisconsin. UConn dominant, as we know, on the road in D.C. to take on Georgetown today. <laughs> so you, UConn, as we know, has won a nation high 11 straight games. Yep. They played Georgetown earlier in the year, methodical 13 point win uh, in stores for that one. Alex, I gravitated to the total in this game. It's just the way that UConn has played against these bad teams. They basically put up whatever they want on offense. Uh, and Georgetown, as we know, with bottom 70 defense in the country. Uh, so gravitating to the over on this one, 142 is where it's at right now. That would be the only way I would look to play this is UConn, 16 and a half point favorites behind us. I don't hate that at all. My numbers say more of an underplay, but I stayed away from that just because of that fact that you just said that UConn can pretty much put up whatever they want. So I stayed away from this. I mean, the side, I can't even take the points here with Georgetown even at home. I can't either. I'm going to Hoyas. <laughs> Again, they're... they're improving as the year goes along. It's just been a, a hard assignment uh, for Ed Cooley, of course, coming over uh, from Providence. A long way to go there. They uh, uh, really took Seton Hall to the wire the other day, lost by six. 
that's the one team in the Big East that Georgetown has played pretty well both times, losing by single digits in both of those matchups. Uh, I just want to bring this up real quick because I, uh, I I probably will end up on this by the time we start here. I, it's not the most attractive game with two teams that wear orange in the ACC. Syracuse getting four yeah. against Clemson. Clemson just beat North Carolina earlier in the week. I think it's a good spot to go against the Tigers. I did take four with, with the Cuse. See, that's funny because I was actually going to lay the points with Clemson, but because of that situational spot and them coming off of that big win, I decided to stay away from that one. You're right, though. It's not a very pretty game. Um, Clemson covered in seven of their 11 games on the road, and Syracuse just won in their last five. So hopefully that situational spot gets you there, though. Let's go to an Alex White favorite here. Alabama <laughs> on the road in Baton Rouge to take on LSU this morning. Uh, a bunch of eights are in the mark. Well, how about legitimately 10 seconds ago to eight behind us as well? Uh, to the second updates as we have here, Alex. Uh, so it's eight across the board now at Alabama. 169 is the total up from 166 and a half. No shock here with these two teams' tempos. No, not at all. And I almost even looked at that, but that 169 is just way too high to go over. I was going to look under. Oh, no, I wouldn't bet it. No, under not enough fortitude on that one. Yeah. And, <laughs> Uh, Bama coming off that loss to Auburn. I wanted to play them here, but seven and a half is even just too high in that minus 350 money line. I don't know if that's going to get me enough to tie that up with another money line, but I would only look at Bama here in this spot. Alabama, again, Alabama had their win streak snapped. Their losses in conference play have both come away from Tuscaloosa to probably the two best teams in the SEC. Uh, with Tennessee and Auburn beating them both uh, road games for Alabama. LSU is, I, I will, again, the record still pretty average. They have gotten better. And uh, they, they've been on a really tough stretch here. Well, I, look, they played Tennessee early in the week. Tennessee beat them by 20. Uh, they, they beat Arkansas up. Again, this is not the greatest of matchups for LSU because of the tempo. Last time these two teams played this game, uh, 109-88. A lot of points for a college game, uh, to say the very least. That would be uh, zooming over to 169 that we have there if we have it, uh, if we get to that. Uh, I did bet, uh, I didn't give this one to Sean this morning. I did bet Columbia plus four and a half at Brown uh, if we're going into the Ivies. Uh, I like that one as well. I think Columbia, I, I know the record hasn't shown in the Ivy League for uh, the Lions, but I think, they're, I think they're the fourth best team in that league, which top four gets in to the Ivy League tournament, which this year is at Columbia, one of the more ridiculous formats there is, uh, deciding that beforehand. But I do like them getting four and a half against Brown uh, in the Ivy League, uh, in the Big East, a little bit better here. Creighton against Xavier. Creighton's a one-point favorite on the road. Creighton, of course, earlier in the week played that epic game against Providence in the overtime. Big-time win for the Friars to get it done in that one in OT. Xavier uh, coming off a win against Villanova in a game that only somehow had 61 possessions, a total opposite game of what we've seen Xavier do this year. First matchup between these teams this year, a seven-point win in Omaha, 85-78 I, Creighton. I did nothing with this one. I think okay. the number is just right. I like Creighton, personally. I, I don't – it's not the greatest of spots for Creighton. That's part of the reason I was a little more hesitant on this game. 
But when push comes to shove here, I just think this is a bad matchup for Xavier more so than anything, Alex, where Creighton's very happy to play the quick pace that Xavier wants to play. And, and more so than anything, I will say this for Xavier, if they have any shot of sneaking in the back door to get into the NCAA tournament, they got to have this. Game. Yeah. And there's a few other spots like this today where there are games where, hey, teams are in need of quad one wins, yeah. whether they be at home or on the road. Uh, we'll get to a few of those in a moment, but this is pretty much a desperation spot. And I don't like playing these in college <laughs> basketball because part of the reason that teams are the way in the situations they are, because they're not that good. Right. More so than anything. Uh, how about Duke and Boston College uh, up next here? Duke, 12 and a half point favorites against the Eagles. Total 148 right now. Uh, some markets in the overnight had it at 149 and a half. I thought that was still okay to the over. So now that we're down to 148, I'm still good with that. Now, the question mark in this one, Alex, when you look at this, is for Boston College here, are they able to score on Duke? Now, offensively speaking, Boston College's numbers are totally oh fine for most teams in college basketball. 65th in the Justin offense, it's fine. Yeah. Top not top tier, but top fourth of the card, uh, top more than, yeah, top, uh, see, I'm trying to do math too quickly in my head, <laughs> top fourth in the country uh, so far this year. They've been bad on defense too in conference play. Yes. So part of the reason I like that game going over is because their defense is not shown. And Duke's defense is, they just go to sleep half the time at this point. I don't mind it at all. I mean, I've got a slight edge. I thought it'd, we'd see more of 152 out there. So little bit of an edge, but I didn't take anything here. I was looking at Duke, but I mean, they've just covered in four of 10 in their last games and they're seven and six at home, which you would think that they would dominate at home. Not so much this year. Boston College is four and seven against the spread in conference so far. So yeah, I didn't do anything here, but I would only look at the over. At seven and six against the number for Duke so far this year. Yes. I'm not a, not out, outright because that would really create some stories if, uh, if they were seven and six at home uh, overall this season. All right, this is one of those spots I was talking about for Michigan State where this has been a year of that. I, look, I, I think it's fair to say this has been a disappointment for Spartans this year. I still think they'll make the NCAA tournament, even though they locked the high-end wins in non-con other than that win against Baylor in Detroit earlier in the year, and they get a crack at Illinois here. Um, they lost, Spartans lost earlier in the week in Minneapolis to a vastly improved Golden Gophers team. Illinois hasn't played since last Sunday where they needed an extra five to beat Nebraska at home. The market has been all over Michigan State in this game. This was as low as two in some overnights. We're up through three into three and a half range, 145 and a half. I didn't, I don't, I don't have anything on this. Mostly just because this feels like the market is just pushing Michigan State a little too much. Even though I would have looked at Michigan State at all right, two, two. one and a half, three and a half. No, I'm good. I got excited. Our graphic accidentally said plus three and a half. I was like, wait, we're we're definitely taking that. Well, that would be uh, go, if that was the case. Uh, well, we would go to commercial. I'll let you go to the <laughs> counter. And go ahead and take that right now, Alex. But, like, how did I miss that? But, you know, it's uh, it's a weird year for Michigan State. The, the talent is still there. 
Uh, of course, they started off the year with that, at the time, shocking loss to James Madison. James Madison turned out to be pretty darn good. A top 70 Ken Palm team with a chance to go to the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament and is an at-large. But, you know, you look at the the losses, really the only loss on, the, on their ledger, it's like, all right, how did they lose that game was earlier this week. It was a game you yeah. got to have against Minnesota, even with them improving. Losing at Nebraska, all right, we know Nebraska's dominant at home. Wisconsin, they're really good. Arizona neutral, really good. Same with Duke. At Northwestern, at Illinois, and at Wisconsin, I didn't mention a bad loss in there. So, uh, again, that's the one thing. They don't have any of those ugly losses. They just only have one big-time win. They'll still be fine getting to the tournament because they're Michigan State. And then Illinois on the other side, though, I mean, they have, they've been very good this year, pretty dominant. And even on the road they have, I mean, they're only – Five and three straight up, but they are seven and one against the spread here. So I think you're right. It's just being pushed a little bit too far. And there might be a point where you can take the points here. The, with three, Illinois. the three road losses are to Tennessee. Nothing wrong with that. They covered that game. At Purdue, they covered that game as well. And at Northwestern, they lost in overtime. So two covers and a, and a, and a coin flip game have been pretty darn good, all things considered, away. From Champagne this year and a, a 17 and 5 team. I did not think they would be as good as they've shown, uh, but now with Shannon Jr. back, uh, they are uh, a formidable bunch to say the very least. All right, let's go back to the Big East here. Uh, and right now you look at Butler hosting Providence. Awkward spot for Providence off the overtime win against Creighton, now on the road to Hinkle Fieldhouse. Uh, the market likes the Bulldogs from four in some overnights to as high as five in some shops, four and a half behind us, but a total of 147 out. I like the Bulldogs as well. I would lay the points here. I also like the under, though, and I think that's my stronger bet. I, I went under 147 and a half. Providence, 14 and nine to the under and six and three to the under on the road. So I'm, I'm thinking this is going to be a slower-paced game between these two, even though we do know Butler does... Uh, Play a little faster, but yeah. So, so the, the I will say here for Butler, they're another one of those either kind of close, uh, in, in the way that their NCAA tournament resume looks. Providence got a gigantic boost with that win earlier in the week, of course, uh, against Creighton. For for Butler, it's it's one of these where right now Joe Lenardi has them in. He has them in the buys. He doesn't even have them going in uh, to a uh, into Dayton. Providence right now on the outside looking in, according wow. to Lenardi. A lot of those Big East teams are all on the fringe right now. St. John's just out. Providence, Xavier, Villanova all in the next four out right now for Lenardi with Seton Hall in the last four. And see, that's just all bubbly, bubbly in the Big East so far this year. I, I think the winner of this game is on the, on the right side. I think he's a little bit higher on Butler. But win at Marquette, really the big difference right now because the Q1 yeah. uh, aspect of that more so than anything. Uh, I'm going to the Ivy next. Okay. You know, I love these Ivy games. <laughs> Cornell and Yale, the matchup here, this one in New Haven. You know, for, for the Ivy, you look at their Ken Palm metrics. You have two teams in the top 85. Yale's one of them, Princeton's the other. We've talked about Princeton a lot on this show this year. Cornell is undefeated in league play. They're 17 and three. They're just outside the top 100 in Ken Palm. I was a little surprised that this number 
came this high and it came at seven and a half. Now I'm not going to bet it because of Yale's home road splits. The one thing that I looked at and the market has banged it up this morning. Yep. There's 153 and a half out there overnight. The market is basically 155 and a half, except behind us at 156. The, the way that Cornell plays and the fact that Yale will be willing to run with them, I still think that's fine at 155 and a half, 156 to go over it. I completely agree. That's the only way I was looking at this game. And you're right, Cornell plays really fast, 27th fastest in the nation, nine and four to the over on the road this year. So they try and control that pace. And you're right, Yale will be right there running with them, 11 and eight to the over on the season. So I think you're still good. Try and get that um, 155 and a half, though. I would bet this now. It's not going down at any point. Correct. These 155 and a halves are probably the best you're going to do through the whole day. All right, TCU on the road in Ames. Take on Iowa State up next. Cyclones, eight-point favorites at home. I thought this line came too big, personally. Now, I know big home court advantage. Big home court advantage for Iowa State. This was six this morning here at the South Point, and people have taken it up. Uh, through the overnight, I I thought TC was fine at seven. Personally, I thought that was perfectly fine. Take the points with Horn Horn Frogs on the road. Uh, TCU, we haven't seen them in a week. They had that weird home loss to Texas a week ago. Uh, but eight is just too much. These Big Twelve teams, Alex. I I know there's a pretty there's some pretty significant home road splits. Iowa State is one of them with the yeah. with the monster advantage at home. Good team, not a great team away from Ames this year. But it's just too many points. If they beat me, if you be, if Iowa State beats me here, I just so be it. Move to the next one. But I'll take TCU. Their talent. Who at least play this game one an eight. And I think um, you've got the revenge factor on your side here because Iowa State went to TCU and beat them at home. I think TCU will be up for this one. I personally went under one forty two and a half in this one. Um, we know about Iowa State's defense. They are fourth adjusted defense efficiency and their pace, about 153 in the nation. TCU wants to play faster. Iowa State's going to control that at home. And I think their pace is even skewed because their non-con games, much higher possessions than we've seen now that they've gotten to conference play. So I like the sender and I don't mind your TCU plus the points either. Let's uh, keep it in the Big 12. Texas hosting West Virginia here, Alex. Not a shock that the Mountaineers are a big underdog in this game. Remember, Texas went to Morgantown earlier in the uh, last month. West Virginia beat them outright. Now it's 12. <clears throat> I'll just ask you, would you be willing to lay that many points where West Virginia's home road splits have been drastic? They've been capable of beating basically anyone in conference except for BYU at home. And they've been dreadful away from Morgantown this year. Market has bet Texas. They did went 11 and a half to 11, now back up to 12. I couldn't quite get there, but I can see the argument if you wanted to lay it with the horns. I agree. That's the only way I would look. I think they should be about 15-point favorite here. Whoa. So a little, <laughs> you got a little bit of um, edge there, but... It's just a lot of points, especially in conference play. But I love the revenge factor. You know, I use that a lot as well. And, I mean, West Virginia just 134 overall in Ken Palm. 174 adjusted offense efficiency. 
So, I mean, the te Texas Longhorns are definitely the better team here. Just the double digits always scare me a little bit. Another one of these <clears throat> spots for a team that, again, for me, I think Florida is safely in the NCAA tournament after that win against Kentucky uh, last week. Now, right now, Lenardi has them in the last four buys, so just avoiding the games in Dayton. They host Florida, or Florida hosts Auburn, I should say. I like the Gators in this spot. At home, Auburn's coming off smacking their biggest rival earlier in the week. And for the Gators, look, in conference play so far this year, the only two games they have been non-competitive, that game in, in Ole Miss where they just forgot to play defense that day. The defense just stayed on the bus. And Tennessee, all right, Tennessee's really good, especially having to go to Thompson Bowling. That's a tough place. Now you get the game at home. The only home loss in conference play, only home loss period this year was that game against Kentucky where the Cats came back and beat them after Florida led for 37 and a half minutes in that game. I, I think this is a good spot for the Gators. I'll very happily lay a short money line price with Florida. Market agrees with me on this as well. Dang it, I thought you were going to take the points because I was looking more at Auburn money line here. I just think they're too good to let that get to them and they will be ready to play in Texas. I mean, fourth overall on Ken Palm, 10th adjusted offense, third adjusted defense. I now have them as the number one team in the SEC with Auburn here. So I was looking at that money line, minus 125. I didn't feel comfortable laying the points on the road. Houston and Cincy's up next. Cougars. Uh, up to five now. Okay, so I like this one when the openers pop. I thought that this was at four. There was some four out there. With the way that this is broken down so far in conference play for Houston, again, two, the two new additions in the, from the American over to the, uh, the Big 12. Yes, all of Houston's losses have come on the road. Yes, They've also come in two of the three, two of the uh, five best venues in the country, at Iowa State, at Kansas was on both of those underdogs in that game at home. Both of yes, them won pretty. Uh, both of them won correct sides all the way. The TCU game was a flip. It was a big win for TCU. Why they're in the position they're in, uh, bracket wise. This is a big game for Cincinnati, but my big issue here, more than anything, is. In order to beat Houston, Cincinnati's got to make threes. They're a bad three-point shooting. And for Houston, yes, they guard the three-point line well, but if you're going to beat them, you have to make your perimeter shots. I don't think Cincinnati's capable of doing that. I wish his number was still four. At five, I start hesitating, but I still think I like the Cougs there. I'm with you. I lean to Houston here. I think that number is just right. Four, maybe five here. But, I mean, Cincinnati has a revenge factor that I had to factor in, and they lost in the tournament to Houston last year. I think they'll be ready. They get to host them at home in their first game this year. So I just laid off of it. Cincinnati, they've been proving themselves. They've um, bumped up to 32nd in Ken Palm, so they've been playing a lot better basketball. But you made all the right points. they got to make their three-point shots in this one if they want to compete with Houston. I will say the one team for right now when already has them is the final team in the tournament in his bracketology that came out uh, yesterday morning. The one thing I will say, Cincinnati does have the rebounding ability. They can take Houston off the glass, 
where we know Houston really builds their offense around rebounding their own misses and getting right. second chance points. All right, I want to hit one more before we get to our guy, James Salinas. Uh, and we've talked about this one at length a few weeks ago. Now the game's yeah. finally here. The random non-con game between Gonzaga and Kentucky. Kentucky, four and a half point favorites. Total 169 here, Alex. Uh, I I don't know how you can bet, justify betting the under in this game. Absolutely not. So I, I, this would only be an over or nothing. I think the number's right on the side. I don't really trust laying points with Kentucky right now because that defense has just been an absolute train wreck the last three weeks. Yes, they really have. And we were trying to grab our future tickets on them, and they've kind of just gone the opposite direction. But I'm with you. I like this over. And I know it's a high number, but I just can't see a scenario where these two aren't going back and forth. I mean, Gonzaga, 61 um, quickest paced, about 70 possessions per game. And then we've got Kentucky, 11th in in the country. They're 8-2 and to the over in their last 10. I think we can add another one today. I think we're in agreement. I think we're in agreement on that. All right, we'll take a quick break. and we get back, former Super Contest winner, James Salinas, will join us when we come back. His thoughts on the big game here in Vegas this weekend here on Sports by the Book. South Point is also proud to provide a variety of relaxing amenities for the guests who want to be pampered. Soak up the sun and let your stress melt away in our lagoon-style paradise swimming pool. A relaxing getaway where you can bask in the desert sun and enjoy seasonal food and bar service poolside. And if you really want to escape, come to Spa Costa del Sur. From couple suites to a co-ed wet area, our spa caters to business and leisure travelers who want to unwind and elevate their senses. A visit to one of our spa's steam, sauna, or whirlpool treatment rooms will leave any guest feeling like they can take on the world. Our gaming amenities include over 60 table games and over 2,600 of the most popular slot and video poker machines. We have penny slots, including the popular Buffalo games and real machines like Wheel of Fortune, Triple Sevens, and Megabucks. If you prefer video poker, try Deuces Wild, Double Double Bonus, or a variety of multi-denomination games. Or try your hand at one of the most popular casino table games in the world, Blackjack. Don't let the game intimidate you. Blackjack, also known as 21, is both easy and fun. And our dealers are always happy to assist. And the best part? Blackjack always pays three to two. Next, check out the roulette tables. Roulette is one of the easiest casino games to learn and so much fun to play. It's a favorite of both beginners and seasoned players. In addition to blackjack and roulette, our casino pit features over 60 popular table games like Baccarat, Pie Gal Poker, Three Card Poker, Ultimate Texas Hold'em, and Mississippi Stud. So get out of your room and come join in the fun. Welcome back in. It's Sports by the Book here at the South Point Studio. I'm Jeff Parles. Alex White is alongside. And I think we I think it's a tell now. It's a tell. <laughs> I got the, the big headphones on. That means we have a guest, former super contest champion joining us right now, James Salinas, with us here on the show. James, thanks for hopping on with us today. Hey, good to see you, Jeff. It's been a while. And Alex, good to be a pleasure to meet you. Thank you guys for having me on. Absolutely. So let's uh 
Let's just uh, start out. I, I want to go because you're you're a big contest player, as we know, one of the best ones to ever do it in a contest. Just with with looking at Kansas City first, where this team was, I mean, on Christmas Day, losing to the Raiders in a game where the where Aiden O'Connell didn't complete a pass the final three quarters of that game, and they still lost at home. And now here they are, six six weeks later. <clears throat> Playing in the in the Super Bowl with a chance to win their third title since the 2019 season. Just can you talk to how you viewed Kansas City, especially through the regular season, compared to how you view them now? Thinking about the, anytime you have a Super Bowl champion, or even the loser from the Super Bowl, right? The, the, there's the Super Bowl hangover for both teams, uh, and in particular for somebody like Kansas City, where you know the regular season they've added another game the last couple of years. So now it's 17 week season for these guys, so. It's a long season. We know the NFL season is a grind. It's a grind for us as betters, especially when you're talking about contest play or betting week in and week out. But from a player's standpoint, I think from their perspective, you know, when they look at the, when they get their schedule out, 17 games on there, that is going to be, in a sense, maybe not the Super Bowl for each of their opponents, but it is going to be a high level. It's a high level game for their opponents each and every week. And, you know, they're going to bring their best effort. Nobody has a flat spot and flat game when you have Kansas City or the defending Super Bowl champions on your schedule. And then I think on, conversely on that side, it makes it difficult for Kansas City to have to raise to that level of, of intensity and focus week in and week out. And it's just really not the case. That's why so many teams have a hard time getting back into the playoffs and definitely getting back into the Super Bowl. Uh, you mentioned the, the game in. Uh, on Christmas. And I think Christmas is, it's, it, it's obviously for a holiday. It's kind of, I think it's difficult for teams, especially home teams, to have to adjust and change that schedule. It's different from, say, Thanksgiving, where we know it's always Dallas and it's always the Lions and those teams playing at home. They build that into their schedule each and every year. But I think for teams playing at home, it's kind of a disadvantage being at home for Christmas because it's a totally different, it, it throws your schedule off and there was no intensity and no focus coming from the from the, from the Chiefs in that game against the against the Raiders and for the Raiders that was they were rolling with Pierce and I think trying to see how those games played out in the regular season and seeing that's how it's going to translate in the playoffs obviously it's been night and day for Kansas City and I think Kansas City is has that championship medal obviously that knows and it's really hard Jeff and Alex for teams to do this but Kansas City is one of those teams that when the lights are on and it's playoff time, they can actually flip that switch when it comes to intensity and focus and and how to perform and execute. And I think that's what we've seen, and that's obviously what we've seen through the playoffs for Kansas City, and that's why they're sitting here playing in this championship game tomorrow. Fantastic breakdown. Let's look at the other side. Now we have this San Francisco 49ers team who's complete opposite, right? One of the highest power rating teams throughout the entire regular season, and now they've kind of fallen apart here in the playoffs, especially on the defensive side of the ball. What do you make of this Niners team and your feel for them going into tomorrow? Yeah, I think that well, you touched on the defensive end, and it's really the, they've, they've got some holes, and they try to shore up those holes on the pass rush. You know, you have Bosa on one end, and they wanted to get a book in on the other side. They went after Randy Gregory, who kind of worked his way, or played his way, or lack of effort here in, in Denver uh, for the Broncos, that they were able to pick him up in midseason, and they also did the same thing with Chase Young, and then we saw the lack of effort in a championship game to get to the Super Bowl, coming from Chase Young on a number of plays in that game last week. Uh, so I I think for, for San Francisco, not only the, the bookend or the lack of pass rush on the other side from Bosa, but also the secondary. They've, they've had some injuries to their safeties in the secondary, but th that was really 
the weakness. The strength of the team is going to be uh, is going to be the linebacker spots. They are the terrific, terrific in the middle of the field with the linebackers, really fast, very physical, and very aggressive. But the secondary is what's been been hurting them, and I don't think they tackled very well. I think that's the biggest difference for me with these two teams is the secondary for San Francisco versus the secondary for Kansas City. Now, Kansas City has great cover corners. They play a lot of man, and they'll put them out on islands with Kansas City's defense. San Francisco doesn't do that. And with Wilkes, he's going to play a lot of shell coverage and kind of protect his his corners and his safeties. But the other piece is I don't think they tackle very well, and I think that's why they've had some struggles in their rush defense. It's not so much the front. We know those linebackers are tremendous in speed and, and are great tacklers, but it's the secondary and their poor tackling ability, and I think we've seen that play out both against Detroit, who ran very well on them, as well as Green Bay. Keeping them with the Niners, just on the offensive side, of course, we all, a lot of people have talked about, oh, not trusting Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, all the things. All he's done the last two weeks is, is led, led a second-half comebacks to get the Niners to this game. Just when you were looking at, at, at Niner film, I know your process is, is pretty, uh, pretty intuitive through the regular season when you're trying to figure out your contest plays and your plays for the week, James. Just what do you see when you watch back San Francisco games with Purdy, and how do you think he can attack this Kansas City defense? They're going to need to. They're going to keep them upright. And I think this is the biggest challenge that they're obviously going to have is being in the Super Bowl, the pressure, the magnitude of the game, but also the way that Spagnolo, Spag's defensive coordinator with Kansas City, is so creative with his fronts and mixing up where his blade. He's going to come. They're going to come after him. It's a matter of are is this young player in Purdy with lack of experience going to be as much as they're going to coach him up over these two weeks between the championship game and tomorrow's Super Bowl, uh, there's going to be some fronts and some looks that I think he's going to be confused that he's going to struggle with. And I think that's going to be for K the, the key for San Francisco is can they make the right reads? Not just Purdy making the reads, but the offensive line to make the correct checks. Uh, the the Whether it's use check in the backfield or they're going to run multiple tight end sets to kind of help with pass protection. I think that's really what the key is for San Francisco offensively. I know we, we can talk about McCaffrey and he's going to get his and he's a tremendous player and, and a home run hitter when he gets around that edge. But I think it's really going to be the pass protection I and I have some there's some holes on the interior of that offensive line for San Francisco and we know the best player on the field I think the best player on the field defensively obviously for Kansas City I think he's the best defender either way for both teams is going to be Chris Jones in the middle and I think he's going to have a big day inside he's going to have a lot of double teams but I think for Purdy to be successful beyond McCaffrey establishing a, a consistent ground game, they've got to keep pretty upright. And I think Shanahan will have a lot. Uh, the, the game plan is not going to be to, to sling the ball deep down the field. It's going to be short passes. And we know San Francisco is tremendous when it comes to their skills, their skill receivers and their skill players being able to yards after contact, yards after catch, being able to break tackles and make big plays that way. Completely agree. Let's talk about some props. Can you break down what your um... – week looks like and how you prep and pick your props. Yeah, so I really haven't done a whole lot of props. I'm, uh, Alex, I'm an under guy. I, I typically am betting on unders. I'm betting, uh, Jeff knows this, I bet against human achievement. And yeah, I am the, I'm, the party, <laughs> I'm the party pooper, Jeff. You know this. I'm the party pooper when it comes to what I want to see in a football game. I don't want to see anybody be successful because I'm betting, usually <laughs> betting unders. And I think when it, yeah, I'm the, I'm the guy that roots for the villain in the, in the you know, in the movies. So uh, I, I think 
I think for for this one, it's if you're looking at props, we, it's we hear so much that this is going to go over, and these guys are going to go over with their yardage and and touchdowns and those types of things. I'll, my approach has been I'll wait until today, most likely until tomorrow Sunday, up to kickoff, a couple hours prior to kickoff, to see which ones I want to get into. I was considering going with going going against the grain uh, and going against McCaffrey because as Noah's yards, his yardage just keeps ticking up and up. I don't know if there's any action coming on uh, on the other side of that, but I think they'll start to set a number. Maybe that number ticks up a little higher, and I go that way. But it might be probably more so, Alex. I'm going to be looking to go against Purdy in this situation we talked to you know i was i was talking about the offensive line woes on the interior for san francisco what they're going to have to do to adjust i think obviously with mccaffrey getting a lot of touches but also with purdy not feeling like there's going to be a lot of time to throw the football down the field it's going to have to be more short passes and i love the way that kansas city secondary tackles in open space i think they're they're very textbook tacklers they're not big hitters but they eyes to the sky they wrap up and they tackle very well um, so I'm going to be probably looking for Purdy to go under his passing yards. Uh, and then as far as other props related to the game, I uh, haven't played anything yet either, but I will be looking for Kansas City. So I, I have a small position with San Francisco, but I have much bigger risk with bets that I've made on Kansas City to win this game. And I think for from that standpoint, I'm also going to be looking to play some alternate lines in Kansas City's favor. I just want to ask you this really quick about Brock Purdy. A lot of people are hammering his over rushing yards because we saw him really use his legs the last two weeks. I'm looking more yeah. at under. It's 12 and a half right now, but his last four games, he was set at five and a half rushing yards, and now it's jumped all the way up to 12 and a half. Would you consider that under? I, I, you know, I think for Purdy, it's nothing's designed. It's not a design run. You know, you're, you're talking about from Kansas City's defense. And there's been a lot of talk this over the last two weeks about uh, you know how poorly the the run defenses performed for the Chiefs in the playoffs and you know I, I kind of beg to differ with that because it really if you look at the two teams that they've faced I mean Miami that was going to be a one way street that way with just how the setup was with the being at home how cold it was and then Miami just being all beat up uh, with the injuries but I think for Baltimore and Buffalo it starts with the quarterbacks rushing the football and those are difficult teams to have to play against when you have such great performers with their legs when you talk about Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson. Uh, but th th those are things that they have to scheme for. I think with Purdy, what we've seen the last couple games is he's had to make plays out of pocket, scrambling on third down to make something happen, you know, diving ahead and sacrificing his body, trying to get his team to the, to, to the Super Bowl, which he's done. Um, but nothing's by design. So it's just a really short number. We've seen that he does have some wheels. He's not yeah. looking to run by any means. But I also think that there's going to be so much pressure coming at him consistently. If he does break contain and there's a lot of man coverage behind him, they're going to have those secondary defenders for the Chiefs will have their back to the defense and or back to the offense and may not see Purdy running. So I could see him actually going over that. But okay. it's nothing that's going to be schemed. And it's not a bet that I'm going to make. James, to you, which uh, unit in this game is the best unit? I'm going to say Kansas City's defense. I know it's it's all the talk about the offense. I think the skill set positions for Kansas for for San Francisco are clearly the best unit on the field when it's talking about just the the playmakers. But from an offense and versus defensive standpoint, I I really I, I like coaching. Uh, you've had two weeks to coach this up. I've 
I, I really trust Andy Reid is one, but I really trust Spags here in this game for Kansas City. He has the pedigree. He's been there and done that before. If you not only with Kansas City, but you remember him there with his days with the Giants mm-hmm. and back in 07, 08. That Super Bowl against the Patriots, who were undefeated that season with Randy Moss and Brady just breaking scoring records all over the place. I mean, they completely shut them down. They beat Brady up in that game. They were coming from all different angles. And I know there was there was probably better talent on that Giants team than what we see here with the Chiefs. It's a very young Chiefs defensive team. But sometimes that's not a bad thing having youth because now they're maybe they're probably more coachable than having some you know, so some older guys, some veteran guys that are kind of stuck in their ways and and don't need to hear it from certain coaches. I think Spags has the absolute respect of his unit there, and they listen to him, and they and he's open to hearing ideas from them as well. So it goes both ways. But I think for Spagnola, with his, it, they may not have the best roster when it comes to the defense, but I think for me, it's the best unit, and that's why I'm taking the Chiefs. James, you uh, you already mentioned it. You're taking Kansas City. What how? How high up are you willing to lay those alternate numbers on Kansas City for? I've looked at, uh, and I'll be shopping around today. Uh, I found five and a half. I don't want to go beyond five and a half. Um, okay. So I'm not looking to, oh, let me find a four to one. Let me get something that's like plus $4. Uh, the the five and a half, I, thought, I saw a couple sites that were like around plus 220, plus 215, somewhere around in that in that neighborhood, um, we know the key numbers in in the NFL with the three and the seven, but also six is a key number too. So I don't want to have to win by margin more than six. So I think five and a half will probably be the extent of it. I actually did see, I think it was, was it Westgate? That's a confusing thing sometimes. You see so many props and it's like, you got to do your homework just to write all these things down. Where did <laughs> I see that one? And remember, because there's these books, there's so many opportunities, but I think Westgate also had one at three and a half plus 190. So th- I thought that was a pretty good price do laying three and a half with the Chiefs plus the 190. So that's probably the peak of my range with that again, Jeff, uh, would be minus five and a half with the Chiefs. You bring up a very valid point there with uh, all these props, all these books, so many, <laughs> so many places do it. Yeah. I have, I have, I, I just have a giant Google Doc at this point <laughs> with, with everywhere, every place of whatever props I happen to like. It's the easiest way to, to keep track of it. I don't know if that's the way you do it. I've got a spreadsheet. I, yeah, but it's just the only way to do similar. it at this point. Uh, he's James Salinas, of course, former uh, Super Contest champion, uh, one of the most respected betters out there when it comes to the NFL. James, pleasure as always. Enjoy your time here in Vegas uh, enjoy, and enjoy the game tomorrow. Indeed. Same to you both. Good luck with your bets tomorrow, everybody. Thank you very Thank much, you. James Salinas, everyone. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, We'll see what Alex White has played so far for this game tomorrow. That and more when we get back. Sports by the Book, South Point Studio. South Point offers all the types of entertainment you'd expect at a first-class Las Vegas resort. Did you know our 400-seat showroom is one of Las Vegas's top destinations for live entertainment? Enjoy live performances by classic Vegas entertainers, bands, and today's hottest comedians, plus a rock and dance floor. You can also enjoy live entertainment at the Grandview Lounge, where you'll feel all the vibes of old Las Vegas. Enjoy the music, and if you love to laugh, don't miss The Dirty at 1230, our very own free comedy show, every Friday night at 1230 a.m. in the Grandview Lounge. The Dirty is 100% free, so arrive early. Go to southpointcasino.com or call the box office at 77136 for today's performances at the showroom and the Grandview Lounge. When you're ready for your favorite cocktail, 
Stop in and unwind at one of our seven specialty lounges. There's a bar around every corner, because you're in Vegas, baby. South Point Casino has plenty of attractions for the whole family. Catch a movie. Our 16-screen movie theater includes two XD Extreme screens for the ultimate in viewing, sound, and luxury. After the show, treat the family to a variety of treats at our old-fashioned ice cream parlor, Kate's Corner. We scoop up a variety of creamy concoctions, including smoothies, hand-dipped cones, milkshakes, malts, sodas, and sundaes. At Kate's, there's something for everyone. And if you've still got time to spare, our bowling center might be right up your alley. Voted Best of Las Vegas, it's a great place for friends and family fun. 64 lanes, a pro shop, snack bar, and arcade. And while the kids are bowling, you can play slots and sip on a drink in the Alley Cat Lounge while overlooking the lanes. For our more serious and professional bowlers, the South Point is also home to a separate tournament bowling plaza. Welcome in at Sports by the Book, South Point Studio. We're always thrilled to be with you here, of course. One day before the big game, uh, it's White's here as well. Uh, we may see Vinny Maliuli. Vinny, Vinny's, uh, Vinny's nursing, uh, nursing uh, the Marlon Brando voice right now. Is that because he's had a... Too many guests here. He's had to I think I, look, he, we, chat too he's, much. He's, with he's, he's been a busy man this week. Okay, let, let, let's just say that. Uh, uh, of course, if you uh, if you missed yesterday's show, I would very much implore you to go back and watch yesterday's show. Uh, all the guys were here: Chris, Jimmy, Vinny, all three of them. Uh, at the end, their favorite Super Bowls from behind the counter or elsewhere here in in, in the state of Nevada. It's well worth your time if you go back and watch that that show. Uh, tomorrow when you get a chance uh, later in the day. All right. Well, we're on the day before now, of course. We'll get back to some college hoops a little bit later, but I at least want to, we have to talk about a few things here, Alex, because we're a day out. This is probably the last day where you can justify betting props right. before everyone comes in tomorrow and just annihilates most of the numbers. Uh, what, what, have you, what have you hit so far as we, uh, as we get closer here? In regards to props, yes. in general, okay, props. So I am uh, have a little bit of a run-heavy script here on both sides. So I did go over sixty-five and a half rushing yards for Isaiah Pacheco. His median on the year is sixty-six, but since Christmas and that turning point for them, his median is ninety-three per game. I also went over longest rush for Christian McCaffrey at seventeen and a half. His median on the year is twenty-two, but in the last four games, thirty-two. I think we're going to see him break out. Here's a fun one, Jeff, which I think you might actually like. Don't have it here. Had to go to Westgate for this one. But Travis Kelsey first half touchdown is plus 210. I see a lot of people trying to find a way to bet Travis Kelsey, get some plus money because now his anytime touchdown is minus 120, I believe. So people are betting two touchdowns or various things. I really like this first half touchdown, and that is because this is what the Chiefs do. They go to him early. They get him involved early. We saw it in last year's. Super Bowl against the Eagles, which that Gainwell play that we saw, Jalen Hurts punched it in. The Chiefs answered right away and went down, and Travis Kelsey scored the first touchdown for the Chiefs. He's also done it in two of the last three playoff games for them this year. So those are some of my player props. Um, a couple generic. I like the team to score last to win the game, of course. Um, that was minus 180. 
when I got it here at South Point, and that prop is 13-0 in the last 13 years. And then I also took a flyer on three unanswered scores, no plus 155, mostly because we are watching that 2019-2020 Super Bowl between these two teams, and one team did score three unanswered times, and that was the Chiefs, and that they went on to win that game. So I don't think San Francisco is going to let that happen again. Well, that's uh, if you listen to yesterday's show, uh, Chris uh, warned us on betting the no for that prop. Oh, so, dang uh, it. So, Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I was at Bellagio. Uh, you're, you're, you're good. You're good. Uh, just see, yeah, as Vinny walks in, absolute perfect timing on that. I was going to catch back up and watch it later. No, you're so. good. You're, you're good. You're good. I just, I couldn't, I couldn't resist on that one uh, because people love betting like, the no Why on are you that. looking at me like that? What did I do? Okay. People love betting the no on that one. It's just the, the, the nature of, of the beast. But yes, could those come in more times than not? Okay. Yeah, but in the last five years, let me pull this up right here and make sure I have the right number. Last five years, it is. Three and two to the no. So I've got that slight little small, edge there. Small. On that one. Uh, Four yeah, and two in the last six. I've, uh, I, like, I, like I said yesterday, <laughs> I bet the over two and a half players okay. to attempt the pass, two and a half players over to complete a pass as well. Both of those nice plus money. Uh, I'm a little bit frightened because I bet some M, uh, Valdez Scantling props and it feels like way too many people are on overs for Valdez Scantling, which means he's going definitely going goose egg and goose egg. Uh, Which you called that last week. I'm going to be honest. You yeah, said no, you were going to look at it, his, and then I have. I've heard on a lot of networks. Too many, too many yeah. Honestly, it just, it, especially with a, a niche guy like that, it, it usually doesn't go well uh, when, when we get that sort of thing. People love the Pacheco props this week. People love Isaiah Pacheco. Uh, I, I'm not overly surprised by that, especially if your game script is that Kansas City is going to win the game. Uh, Pacheco's going to run the ball more. I, I think that is still pretty good. I, I, it's still reasonable if you want to bet bigger numbers. I would not, as soon as you hit a 70, you Yo, can't do it. Right. But anything below 70, I don't have a problem if you want to go over it, even if you are missing the best of it. I actually like his receiving under. I think it's going to be more ground game than receiving yards. And his receiving numbers have gone up through the week. So uh, the, that would like be the ways too. I would look at it. See, I do want to definitely find some unders to add to my collection between today and tomorrow because, you know, early in the week, especially Matt and I were on here Monday through Wednesday, most people just want some overs that they can root for besides James and the professionals. But now I need to uh, crunch some more and find some good unders. to uh, Remember, Frank Nicotero, only overs. We've got to send him our best college basketball plays today because he said he's going to be cleaning and getting a lot of stuff done and he wants some games to sweat out. So we both had a should few we, overs that we, we did just agree give him on. The, should we just give him the blow to Kentucky Gonzaga so. over? I mean, it just I give him give him the second Kansas, highest yes. total on the board and and the team that plays no defense. I think that's pretty much on brand perfectly. Even though Alabama Alabama and LSU have combined for sixty one points wow. in a little under eleven minutes, so that one's well on pace. Yes, in order to go to go over the total in that one uh, in uh, in Baton Rouge. See those teams just when they when they play, they're, they're, it's a Loyola Marymount of the early '90s on both sides uh, for that one. All right, let's take a quick break. When we get back. We'll bring Vinny in. We'll get the latest updates. We'll see how Vinny's voice is doing as well. When we get back, Sports by the Book, South Point Studio. We have 11 amazing restaurants featuring a wide variety for every price range and appetite. South Point's Garden Buffet has something for everyone at unbeatable prices. 
Or if hunger strikes in the middle of the night, join us at Coronado Cafe. The American menu offers breakfast, lunch, or dinner 24 hours a day, plus a Chinese kitchen for authentic Chinese dishes from 11 a.m. to 11 p.m. From steak and eggs to wonton soup, it's fast and friendly service 24-7. When you need a quick pick-me-up, you can find it at our state-of-the-art Starbucks just inside the main South Point entrance. Order ahead with the Starbucks app for easy mobile order pickups. Or enjoy your favorites in the relaxing dining area anytime, day or night. If you love Mexican food, Baja Miguel's has all of your south of the border favorites. There are dozens of classics to choose from, like fajitas, ceviche, chimichangas, tacos, and more. And for spirit lovers, Baja's colorful non-smoking tequila bar is right outside. Or maybe you're in the mood for seafood. Big Sur Oyster Bar has fresh seafood prepared right before your eyes. Savor freshly shucked oysters, crab legs jambalaya, shrimp and lobster, beers on tap, and a selection of fine wines are perfect to pair with your seafood favorite. Whether lunch or dinner, you'll love this fun atmosphere located just off the casino floor. Ready to shake things up? Step back in time and treat yourself to one of the oldest restaurant chains in the country. Steak and Shake, famous for original mouth-watering steak burgers and hand-dipped milkshakes in a variety of flavors. For some old-fashioned fun, try Steak and Shake. Welcome back in at Sports by the Book at the South Point Studio. I'm Jeff Parles. Alex White is here now joining us. We'll get him in and out quickly today. It'll make every word count. Vinny Marlin Maliulo with us right now. The show must go on. The show must go on. It is you you are you, you are you are channel channeling uh your your inner brando yet again. Oh listen. Um well first of all, I don't need my voice to book. So that's, that's a, true. That's a good thing. Um James Salinas, a nice job. Jeff, excellent. Alex, bet with conviction. Don't worry about what we say. <laughs> <laughs> On so, that note. <laughs> so, Vinny, just for day away. Yes. Again, it's been a steady stream yes. all week. Mm -hmm. Starting this afternoon, you would say, would be when the tidal wave starts? Um, yeah, I, would, I mean, the, the good thing, too, for us here at South Point, uh, not only for, for business, but for convenience, for the betters, is, again, 24 hours. So it's been very steady all, all night long. Uh, a lot of activity throughout the property, and that activity on, a, on an event like the Super Bowl funnels through the property to the book. So a lot of business. Um, on my way in this morning, I, I did uh, uh, notice on uh, Interstate 15 heading north, which is folks uh -huh. from California coming this way, um, very steady. Uh, I, I think there'll be some impulse you know, uh, buying, if you will, uh, by the folks in Southern California. And um, so we have not been disappointed at all by the, uh, uh, by the handle. Uh, and again, it'll be steady all, all, uh, all uh, night, all day and all night. And I think every hour it'll get busier and busier. Um, number right now <clears throat> holding steady at two. Uh, Niners as two-point favorites. Um, back to 47 and a half on the total. I was just with uh, Chris Andrews, and uh, he mentioned that there was some uh, pretty respected money 
uh, on the on the under at forty eight, and um, and the props just people uh, betting the props uh, very strongly. And and again, I want to emphasize the, uh, the the fact that the straddles here at South Point look it. it, it it's not bragging. It's just a fact that people are really taking advantage of the 105 uh, vig on the uh, on the side, uh, the 10 cent straddle on the money line, and um, the uh, the fair pricing on all of the props. So uh, again, Michael Gaunt stresses value throughout the property, and uh, the book is no exception. And everybody benefits from it. Uh, every department on our side and uh, all the customers as well. Looking forward to it. I'm really excited that we're going to stay here and be on property, see all the parties and uh, mm-hmm. even watch the game here at the sports book. So I'm looking forward to this event. Oh, it'll be, it's a lot of fun, a lot of energy, you know, and, and I have to tell you, I, I was asked quite a bit this week, Chrissy and Jimmy and I, you know, do you guys ever get tired of it? Uh, <laughs> no, because that we feed off that energy too. It's fun. This is, this is fun for us. And um, listen, if we, if we didn't enjoy it, we'd uh, uh, we'd be uh, retired. But uh, we can't do that. Our wives won't let us do that. <laughs> <laughs> and it's laughing. <laughs> and won't let us do it either. <laughs> I think that's that's the big one. And an animal that won't let it let, let you do it either. Uh, just uh, we talked about it yesterday. Yeah. Uh, but I would imagine since. The numbers already huge on the props as it is. Yes. And as we get closer, uh, horse minus one of five juice, as mm-hmm. you mentioned on both sides, dime line on the money line, yes. which gives you the best price in the city on mm-hmm. Kansas City mm-hmm. if you like the Chiefs. Uh, but when it's all said and done, I would imagine that this is heading towards the largest percentage of the bets going to the props than than they've ever been so far. Uh, I think yeah, the trend is that way, and and typically. You know, I think it depends on the property. Uh, I know some properties, uh, the props in the past have accounted for anywhere from, say, 50 to 65%. I think South Point has run about about 50-50 over the years. But right now, the props are at a, um, a higher pace, I would say, percentage-wise. Now, uh, I think that the fact that the game is here, we've said all week that uh, – uh, we think we can get to uh, a record, which would be um, through $180 million statewide, closer to $200 million statewide. And um, I, I think you're right, Jeff. I think we could see that that number will probably include a higher overall percentage for the props. Now, let's remember this, too, when, when, when these numbers are reported. And by the way, this might surprise some folks. Um, we are required to have the handle figures uh, to the gaming control board by noon Monday. So that's why there's a quick turnaround with the, uh, with the Super Bowl uh, handle uh, every year. So every operator, every licensee here in the state of Nevada must report that uh, by, by noon on Monday. Um, uh, I think it's safe to say that we will we'll probably see a higher percentage of that uh, go towards the props, and the props do include the futures as well. So again, and the futures that have been booked all year long. Don't, don't forget. Um, remember Jimmy yesterday was talking about how uh, we we used to put the uh, the futures up like in the summer, 
going into the exhibition, uh, the preseason. Right. But we've, uh, uh, in fact, as you know, part of our Super Bowl packet here at the at the South Point includes next year's uh, Super Bowl futures. So uh, as folks are uh, a betting during the course of the weekend, they can they can look at the prices, or as they're cashing out uh, tomorrow night, uh, they can. Uh, uh, take advantage. Don't don't wait for next year. Also, we have tons of games on the board that is that are not football. We have a ton of college basketball. Yes. NBA and hockey. I didn't look out there yet, Vinny, but I'm assuming did you guys get the the cross sport props? Oh yeah, we did going? actually. And I'm going to leave you a sheet, Alex. Awesome. So we do have some um, which include um, everything from Jason Tatum's uh, total points. Uh, or Niners uh, total points in the uh, in the, uh, in the in the title game. Jason, uh, uh, let's see, Tatum's point. He, Tatum, uh, Tatum, Jason Tatum's a two and a half point favorite. Okay. So we do have the cross board uh, that you can go over. I'll let you uh, love that. Read those and uh, take advantage of those. But a great um, great college slate today. Yes. Um, and a and a and a really uh, full NBA and uh, NHL card and. When I was behind the counter, uh, waiting to come in the studio, lots of cross-sport parlays. Everybody today uh, and tomorrow will be uh, be the same thing. And let's remember, tomorrow, uh, all sports, including the races, the horse races, everything is adjusted from uh, a starting time and a post time, in the case of the races, to go earlier. And when the game, uh, the Super Bowl kicks off, it'll be the focus, obviously. Of, uh, it'll be, be the only thing. Going. That's it. And yep. no, nothing it. else. Uh, yeah, nothing else will be going. So uh, at this point, um, all right. Before we before we let you go, uh, obviously the uh, folks will come in tomorrow. Likely bet the over. You went back to forty seven and a half yeah. from forty eight from yesterday. Yeah. Just I, I, it's hard to handicap because you never know. But w- what do you think tomorrow? How do you think the betters will handle everything tomorrow? Like they like they normally do for a Super Bowl, where they probably come. In bet a lot of to- things up, so sharps come and fly in and bet the unders late more so than anything. I, I think the public's more inclined to bet this game over. Uh, the public does uh, enjoy points, and again, as we've talked uh, all week, these are two very public teams. What I mean by that is they're not only followed by their respective fan bases within their cities and states and regions; they have a national following because of probably because a lot has to do with fantasy, right? These are a lot, these are very marquee, uh, you know, uh, offensive players in particular. So, um, and the public does love to root for points. And so uh, I think that uh, to your point, Jeff, yeah, I think we'll see that, uh, that trend continue where the public likes uh, to bet over. And they like to bet over in, uh, in a lot of the props. And professionals will look uh, to, I mean, we've seen it already. So it's good intel for us that uh, we kind of know the the ceiling. Now, could one bet change that? Of course. So you never, you never know. Yesterday was incredible being down on the strip, kind of walking through the hotels. And there are so many Chiefs and Niners fans out yeah. there. Just a lot of red everywhere. It's It's really fun to see here in Vegas. And both of you and the whole staff did a great job this week. Going down a radio row, getting oh, on the strip. You, you, fantastic, you, yeah. You folks uh, all all did a great job and uh, allowed uh, uh, Chrissy, Jimmy, and I to just relax and take it <laughs> easy. We didn't, you know. So <laughs> now, look, it's uh, it's a big week, a big week here in town. Yeah, Alex said a lot of 
A lot of red in the two different shades. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the more uh, rust colored on the Niners end and regular red on the KC end. A lot of energy all over the place. Well, I mean, it's right? all, well, yes. you know, we've talked, yeah. we talked about this yeah. week, too. Like, there's always energy here. Yes. For, for the, yes. For the Super Bowl. But, again, 300, about 300,000 usually come in, usually. The or early projections were 350,000, mm-hmm. which, uh, based off of what I've seen so far. Sure. I think that projection's off on the bet, low end. Bet, bet the over. Yeah, I yeah. think it's the over on yeah. that. Bet that's another over. Yeah. Um, we've always uh, uh, attracted more people uh, than the host city, mainly because of a the way we put the Super Bowl on. I mean, and it's an event, right? It's not just the, uh, the wagering on the game and the props and everything, but the energy that goes with it. All the other offerings that Las Vegas has to offer. I mean, you look around here at the South Point where we're going to be able to accommodate uh, closer to 7,000. We thought it was going to be 5,000, but uh, Chris, Jimmy, and I were talking to Ryan Growney, our general manager. So closer to 7,000 people will be able to enjoy the game uh, in whether it's a convention area, a ballroom, uh, the event center, uh, the showroom and the lounges throughout the property, obviously the race and sports book um, with great uh, uh, food and beverage options and, and, and value, but everything else that goes with it. Uh, so people know that. And, they, and by the way, you know, there's a few, uh, there's a few hotel rooms in the inventory. Now we're about 167,000 hotel rooms in the, uh, in the inventory. So uh, God, I sound like I'm with the uh, convention of visitors authority in the, in the, in the inventory. Um <laughs> But it's true, and I think that's uh, something that's uh, uh, pe- people have uh, come accustomed to, and um, that serves us right. Listen, uh, again, there's there's a lot of great cities, a lot of great venues throughout this uh, great country. But uh, I'll tell you what, nobody puts on an event like uh, like nope. Las Vegas. Nope. And uh, again, like we like I said to you yesterday, assuming there's not some ridiculous thing that happens in the next forty eight hours or so. This game's coming here every five, six years. Oh, it just, it, it terrific. Just, the yeah. convenience, the amount of convention yes. space yeah. also. I mean, yes. out of Mandalay, I mean, I, everyone I said that, that was the biggest media road I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, and there's mm-hmm. about 10 convention halls that are bigger than Mandalay's convention yes. hall in the yeah. city. So they needed to go bigger. They could go to an even bigger hall than that. You, you bring up a great point, Jeff, because conventions are a uh, – uh, Las Vegas is one of the premier convention destinations uh, in North America, and uh, for the, for a lot of the same reasons that we've uh, we, we've discussed. So uh, it's going to continue, and with that as a byproduct, let's remember that um, Final Fours are now in pretty much football stadiums, and uh, I believe we've got a Final Four in twenty eight, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, so yep. we had regional last year, and uh, we'll continue to uh, uh, to be in both rotations, which we're thrilled about. And uh, I, I'll tell you, it's 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 a lot of fun. Uh, it's fun to be part of it in in our world. Yeah. In the uh, in the booking, and uh, it's it's entertaining. I think uh, we do some entertaining from time to time. So. <laughs> Absolutely, Vinny. We'll let you okay. go back to work. All right. Get some lozenges. Yeah. Got to be ready to go tomorrow. I got it, Alex. Extra <laughs> caffeine. Extra caffeine, as always. Vinny Maliulo, everyone. All right, we'll take our final break. When we get back, a little more college hoops, a little more Super Bowl before we get out of here. Sports by the Book, South Point Studio. 
If you're celebrating a special occasion or just love fine dining, you're in the right place. Come experience the crown jewel of South Point restaurants, Michael's Gourmet Room. Welcome. With over 600 different types of wines and magnificent dishes prepared tableside, you'll revel in the rich classic Vegas decor and the best black tie service in the world. This intimate gourmet room has earned accolades galore. Come to Michael's Gourmet Room for an unforgettable dining experience. Another famous restaurant is the Silverado Steakhouse, where you'll find the charm and service that discerning patrons require. From top quality steaks and chops to fresh seafood and desserts, you'll love the award-winning wine list and menu at Silverado Steakhouse. Steak lovers have even more options with primarily prime rib. Catering to hearty appetites, the menu features a variety of flavorful prime rib cuts, dry aged to ensure tenderness, and then seasoned and slowly roasted. Although prime rib is our specialty, it's not the only thing on the menu. There's something for everyone. And if you're craving a taste of Italy, come experience delicious Italian cuisine and the attentive service at Don Vito's. Our culinary team starts with the freshest ingredients and transforms them into traditional favorites. And don't forget Italian desserts. Don Vito's, savor the taste of Italy. Finally, if sushi is more your style, join us at the popular Zenshin Asian restaurant and sushi bar, where we're serving up the freshest sashimi, nigiri, and sushi rolls. And beyond the sushi, an exciting contemporary Asian cuisine menu. Plus a variety of specialty drinks, Japanese and domestic beer, wine, and sake. Balance your hunger with Zenshin. Welcome back in Sports by the Books, the show, South Point Studio. I'm Jeff Parles, Alex White, alongside. Big thanks to Vinny for hopping in today. Uh, as always, fighting, fighting through it. Uh, on the vo old voice box there. All right, before we get out of here today, we want to get to a little more college hoops. There's still a huge card uh, through the day today. Central Florida and Texas Tech uh, on this one. UCF is taking the money down from eight to seven and a half. Now there's even some seven in the market on this one. I liked UCF at eight. Uh, at seven and a half, still okay. Starting to, starting to, get to the real hesitation once we hit seven on this one, Alex, where again, Texas tech I, metrics don't like them as much uh, as I would have anticipated this year uh, because you think of Texas tech, their defense is just not as good, even though they've uh, placed the grand McCaslin slow style that he played at North Texas. Uh, they're much better at offense. They have lost four out of their last six. Uh, but as we know, playing in the big 12, you are playing top-end opponents essentially yes. every single night. That's right. Um, I'm looking at the under here. I like under okay. 137. You just mentioned it, how slow Texas Tech likes to play. Um, their trends don't really lean that way. They've, And I think that's because of their defense here. But I think against this UCF team, we'll see them step up. And uh, Central Florida 6-3 and three to the under here in conference play. So that was the way I was leaning in this one i uh I, again i just i can't get a full read on central florida yeah. uh 
They've just beat Oklahoma a week ago by 11. A pretty, a pretty handy, no doubt, right side. That was the day, the game after they had the big lead against Baylor and then blew it and somehow didn't cover as a, as a, a five-point underdog at home in that one. Uh, North Carolina-Miami. So we mentioned this earlier in the day, Alex, of these spots of teams that, quote-unquote, need the game. Miami is a three-point dog at home. Totals 159.5. I gravitated. I don't know why I gravitated to so many overs today. I don't know if Frank, I did too. Frank and it got into both of our heads or not. <laughs> uh, I'm not. I after think after looking at it a little bit more this morning, I don't like that anymore. What I do like is I like North Carolina in this spot. Now, North Carolina, of course, lost earlier in the week to Clemson at home. I just don't think Miami's really that good. I don't think they're any good. In all honesty, one of the bigger disappointments this year were. They have most of it. They, yeah, they, they lost Nigel Pack, but, but you're you're in it. You basically have most of the team back uh, from a year ago. Uh, excuse me, not Nigel Pack. Uh, Isaiah Wong, of course, Pack is still there, uh, but I just don't think they're that good. They can't play defense. This is not a great matchup for them. Carolina's size, even though Miami can play is bigger than their size, it's still hard for them to match up in this game. I think that the heels just three on the road is pretty reasonable, Alex. I completely agree. I laid the three here with North Carolina. So you mentioned it. They lost to Clemson, and that was after they lost to Georgia Tech, and then sandwiched in the middle there is that Duke game where they beat Duke 93-84. to I think we're going to see a big performance here from the Tar Heels, just like we did after that Georgia Tech loss. Washington State at Oregon. I, you know, this is one of the, another, this is a bit of this is a weird college hoops card today for me where a bunch of stuff looked good, but now it's like go through it the following day. Like a lot of it's like, I don't really like what I thought right. was okay yesterday. Uh, Wazoo up to three and a half. I, I thought Wazoo last night was fine at three. Now this morning, even at three and a half is like, well, I don't know if I was right on that one. Oregon, I just don't think is that good. Uh, I know that they're, Borderline NCAA tournament team very easily win the conference. This is technically number two and number three in the bit in the Pac-12 right now, as we all expected going into the year. I, I still think I would lean to the Cougars getting the taking the three and a half as opposed to taking a shot on the money line. I'm gonna be honest. I have these two about three and four in the Pac-12, and okay. I just really. I don't feel like I have spent enough time in this conference and need to a little bit more. So I didn't. Do anything here. I thought three and a half was right, but yeah, I don't have anything on the total either. St. John's and Marquette. These two teams met a few weeks ago at MSG. St. John's got out to an early lead, got down 12 with four minutes to go, came back, had a shot to win the game. Marquette won by one. Up to seven and a half. It has been a struggle for St. John's over the last few weeks where it looked like they fully turned the corner to back to 500 at conference play. They've lost five out of their last seven, but there are only two wins mixed in there. Are Villanova, who just is a big disappointment this year, uh, and DePaul, who, by the <laughs> way, we are not betting again at all this season because they've completely given up. Um, I, I kind of like, like the points here with St. John's, but I, I don't think I can quite get there. I wish I was getting nine in this spot. Seven and a half makes it a little more difficult. Yeah, especially Marquette is playing very well. They have now won six in a row here. So I think the number is right with seven and a half. Um, and then I think the total, I was leaning a little bit to the over here with these two. I mean, Marquette does play a little bit faster, 69.8 possessions, um, 76 in the country. 
and the same bout for St. John. So if we can get enough possessions in here, Ken Palm has it predicted at 71 over that 153. But that was my lean is just the over in this one. Baylor and Kansas. Now, this is one that's been smacked overnight. Where Baylor was eight, which an eight point underdog at the fog, which I look, I can't, we know the home court of Kansas, the biggest one in the country to me. I was floored that number came eight, personally. I was floored that the eights were out there last night. Down to six and a half again, which is what I think is right. I think it should be yes. six, personally. I would not take it with Baylor at this point. Now that we're down to the six and a half, if you got the eights last night, job well done. Uh, with that said, is Kansas more than capable of beating Baylor by double digits like they did to Houston last week? Of course they are. Because it's Kansas playing at home, Alex. Man, I wish I would have seen that. I didn't get far enough down the board and see these late games in those opening numbers. So if I would have seen that eight, I definitely would have grabbed it. I mean, these are two really good teams, and Baylor has proven that they're one of the best in the country. Fourth adjusted offense efficiency, 75th adjusted defense, um, 10 and 5 straight up on the road and eight and six against the spread. So yeah, I would have definitely liked to grab that eight. Oregon state host in Washington. Uh, I just like the Beavers okay. outright in this game. I know we're getting points. You can take the four. If you want to be a little more conservative, uh, Gil Coliseum has been, look, it's, been, it's a, it's an interesting, weird place for road teams to go. They beat Arizona earlier in the year. Of course, as we know, Alex, uh, they've lost three in a row. Now, granted, the home losses this year in conference, the UCLA one, which in retrospect looks a little ridiculous. Uh, the overtime nice. loss to Stanford. They should have won that game, Oregon State. That was a game they were ahead most of the way and then blew and lost in overtime. And then they lost to Wazoo earlier in the week. Where, Wazoo's just a really good basketball team. Uh, getting plus 155, plus 160 on the money line. I think that's a good shot to take today if you want on the beach. Yeah, I like it. I mean, they've played very well at home. Like you mentioned, 11-3 and three straight up and 8-5 and five against the spread. So... I didn't do anything here. I don't, um, I think the number's just about right, but I would lean more to the home team. All right. How about Utah and, and, and Arizona State? Uh, we'll get to Arizona a little bit later, but is this one of those spots where you would consider taking Arizona State, who, by the way, has just gone completely backwards the last three weeks with Utah coming off that gut wrenching overtime loss at home to the Wildcats? Uh, Utah's laying 12 here. It's a pretty big number. I don't know. I think that number is right for the Utes here, especially being at home. Like you mentioned, Arizona State's gone completely backwards. They're about 11th out of 12 in the Pac-12 now. So stay away from me. Are you uh, interested in the 12? No. <laughs> no. Arizona State, you know. So Arizona State was one of those teams that didn't, fit their metrics at the beginning of conference play where they just kept winning games in conference. They were, right. four, they were five and two in conference. And now it's been the, all right, we're coming back to earth and we're coming back to earth hard. Right. Uh, they, they, to me, they're a bottom tier team in this conference. Yes. And they now look like a bottom tier team in this conference after that hot start uh, in Pac-12 play. Let's get to your Rebs. Getting 12 in the pit against New Mexico. I know New Mexico has been great at home other than that last time out where they lost to Boise. 12 feels like a ton to pass up with UNLV. Now, again, always, is New Mexico capable of beating them by 20? Yes, absolutely. 
But getting a full 12 feels aggressive for me. I would look to take it with the Reds. I would too, absolutely, especially because they they play up to their competition and then they tend to play down to their competition. So I think this is a good spot to grab the points here with UNLV. I like how they're playing at a slower pace. They're about 288 in the country, 65.7 possessions per game. So if they can control the pace, keep the ball out of New Mexico's hand, I think they can hang in this one. And that's what they did at home when they beat them earlier this year, which that's the only thing that kind of scares me, that revenge factor. but. I think New Mexico wins this game and UNLV keeps it close. I forgot to send this one to Sean this morning and I I know I know why I did because the line was is just so high. But it's one of the biggest rivalries in the sport. I produced 17 against <laughs> Indiana today. Uh with that said, I know the market early has taken Indiana down from 18 to 17. I think I'd actually consider laying the lumber with Purdue wow. here. I think I considered. I don't know. I don't think I will. But Indiana's coming off that miraculous comeback against Ohio State earlier in the week. And this is one of the few times where Purdue actually has a team that can totally lay it on Indiana. Would not shock me if this is this is a, a, a Purdue by 30 here today in this one. See, that's shocking because you are very disciplined in staying away from those big numbers and laying double digits. So you must. Uh, I, I don't know if I'll do it, but I, it, yeah. it, is it, it is in the realm of consideration just because of. They are capable. They are way better. <laughs> they are yes, they way are. better uh, this year. Now line dictates that. Uh, this is an interesting one in College Station tonight. Uh, uh, Tennessee goes to Texas A&M. Uh, Alex, I'm surprised this line came this short personally. Uh, and now we're at two on Tennessee on the road in College Station here. There were some three and a half early, but that was gone pretty quickly. Was three behind us here with uh, Chris and company. I think I would actually lay the short money line price on the balls. I, I, I know it's a tough spot. It's a tough place to play. Uh, a and is going to want to make this game ugly and, and slow it down. Uh, 320th tempo in the country. For Texas compared to uh, 110 in the country, tempo-wise for Tennessee, faster than usual for Barnes. But I, I think I like the Vols here. We'll just lay the money line price. I was just going to say that. Might as well just lay the minus 125 here. Um, Tennessee has been really good in conference, 7-2 and two straight up, 5-4 and four against the spread. And on the road, 6-4 and four straight up. But then here against that number, just 3-7 and seven ATS. So I'm with you. I would lay that minus 125, but I do think that is the right side. Arizona and Colorado. This is one of the more complex games of the day. Colorado's favorite. or one and a half point favorite at home in this one. It'll be the first time a conference play Arizona's been a dog this year. It's a brutal spot for the Cats. Second of the mountain road trip. Overtime game just two days ago when they came from behind and beat Utah. I, I I really want to take that short money line I price with too. the Wildcats, but I just I can't get there with the fact of what this spot is and how these teams from the lower elevations go do this mountain double in the Pac-12, and that second game is usually a bear to get through. I mean, that scares me. I just think the drop-off between the number one spot in the Pac-12 to the number two, three is so significant here that Arizona should be a favorite on the road. And I understand the situational spot, but I don't know. I'm very tempted to take that plus 105 as well. <laughs>
All right. Last one here for today, all right? Get the end in your Mountain West. It's an interesting spot here for Utah State at home. Uh, the betters have played it with the Aggies, and I think correctly so. It was four on the overnights, now five, but a total of 146. Uh, actually, Chris and company even opened three and a half, which you got that job well done on right. Utah State. This is a really important game for the at-large outlook for this conference. I think Utah State has done more than enough to get B in on it. Um, you look at their losses, none of their losses. They have no bad losses this year, even the loss at Bradley. Bradley's a favorite at home against Drake, and we know how good Drake is right. uh, today. So Bradley is a legitimate team. Uh, and then their conference losses are at New Mexico, at San Diego State, and Nevada. Yep. Nothing wrong with that. Uh, that actually, that win for Nevada in Logan earlier in the week was huge for them. And Nevada flipped around and beat San Diego State last night also. So Nevada getting those resume-building wins. Uh, I, I would still be okay with laying the bad number here, Alex, laying the five with Utah State. I just, for Boise, I think earlier in, the, uh, earlier in conference play, when they got that win against Colorado State, the win at Nevada, uh, the win against San Diego State, the win in the pit. I think they're closer to the team that lost at home to UNLV and lost yeah. to this Utah State team at home earlier in overtime in the year. Uh, I, I think Boise's a bubble team, not really solid NCAA tournament team, while Utah State is a solid NCAA tournament team playing at home. See, and unlike the Pac-12, I think the Mountain West is so closely rated between their their top five here. So I think I would lean more to grabbing those points with Boise, in a sense of just there's a value there, um, they can keep it close. And we know the Mountain West pretty much beats each other up on the road or at home. So, yeah, that's why I would look at the points here. But I don't have a strong play on either side. Be a full day at College Hoops. Tomorrow, we will be here two hours, 8.30 to 10.30. And then throughout the afternoon, we'll be Hopping on, just giving quick updates where the line happens to be. Yep. And where it may be going before the big game gets going at 3.30 local time here in Vegas. Shout out to Ann. Shout out to Sean. Great work as always. Find the glass. <laughs> James Salinas, big thanks to him yeah. for hopping on with us. Same with Vinny. Fighting through it today uh, with the lack of a voice. Alex, good work as always. Thank you. We'll you see too. you again tomorrow here on Sports by the Book at 8.30 on Super Sunday. As always, here from the South Point.